Is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the December 1st edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming esports news brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am not joined by one, but by two super awesome people today on today's super awesome edition of Level Up Live. Yes, it is the Game Awards edition, uh, or Game Awards Level Up is going to predict the winners because we're awesome edition of level up live and i am joined uh by a, a good friend from uh the the faraway state of north carolina uh walker drew walker tn wherever we're gonna call you drew what's up buddy good to have you back on the show it is wonderful to be here once again i feel like uh these appearances are all too rare and i know that's my fault i mean we weren't gonna point fingers or anything and as always we are joined by my lovely co-host, who is looking freshly dapper today, the king of the courtside, the courtside king. Joey, what's up, buddy? Yes, sir. One of the best times of the year outside of the E3 Summer Game Fest time window, the Game Awards, always celebrating the best in gaming over the past year. I'm excited to discuss it with you guys. Uh, no comment from me calling him dapper. All right, that's fine. So I'm trying, actually, <laughs> just quick cut in here. I don't know if the sound is working on Twitch. Um, I don't know if it's just on my end. But we might just want to check that as well before I we just, get fully into it. I just checked it right here, and it Coming sounded loud fine. and clear. Okay, yeah. cool. So it might just be my browser. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Nation. <laughs> Let's see here. Where am I in the notes? Bullet point number two. How about that? Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you're on Twitter, you are watching us. You are listening to us. You are taking our opinions to heart for some reason. I don't know why, but we, we appreciate you for tuning in. You should follow us on Twitter as well. Myself at Fiasco, Joey at Courtside King, and Drew at Walker Texas Range. I mean, I'm sorry, Walker TN. I always do that. It's fine. Don't worry about that. It's TN15 on Twitter, correct? Uh, you know, I'm 90% sure that's still the case. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out from there. Uh, and Nation, as always, while Twitch is the best place to be to catch episodes, especially the ones where we're going to be going through all the categories for the Gaming Awards that's coming up next week, uh, we, we understand you have a life. It's all good. We have the podcast version of the show as well. Check out the Level Up podcast available in your podcatcher of choice, roughly available within 24 hours of the live stream. Extra credit if you want to earn Joey's eternal love and not have to watch Twitch ads all the time on Twitch, make sure you sub to OTN using that juicy Prime sub, that Amazon Gaming Prime super spicy sub. Slap that bad boy on OTN Media and have a good time. All right, Joey. Uh, <laughs> we don't really have topics today, but what in the world are we doing today? And uh, let's go ahead and let the viewers know what in the world are we going to be doing for the Game Awards next week. Absolutely. So this is kind of our Game Awards pre-show per se. We're going to walk through all the nominees. We're going to look at who is in for each category. And then from there, kind of talk about our thoughts of them. What nominees stick out to us? Who do we think will win the actual award? Who would we vote for the award? And then from there, going into some of the potential world premieres. That's what the Game Awards outside of the actual awards themselves has become known for. We've seen reveals of like Henua's Saga. We've seen Mass Effect in recent years come out there. The Xbox Series X was revealed to the Game Awards. 
So talking about some potential hardware reveals, some potential software reveals, maybe even some new features that pop up, uh, as well as some hopes and dreams that we'd love to see that might be a little farther out there as well. So there's quite a bit to touch on, but again, the big theme tonight being the Game Awards 2022. Absolutely. So before we can even dive into, I believe it's 31 outstanding categories that will definitely not take five hours next week to get through. Uh, Let's go ahead and touch on what we are drinking to aid us through this super special edition of Level Up Live. Uh, You know what? Guest first, Joey. We're going to have to wait for your your hot take here. Uh, Drew, Drewby Dooby Doo, what are you drinking, my dude? Well, it is December 1st, and my awesome mother-in-law got me a craft beer uh advent calendar so i am drinking beer number one an american wheat ale there we go uh from advent beers uh it's from costco and so it's actually their in-house beer made by uh minhaus brewery which is a pretty old craft brewery up in wisconsin so costco always gets good brands to make their uh in-house brand stuff so i'm excited to try this I absolutely love it because your background blur actually blurred the label of your can when you first yeah. held it up. Yeah, so, so I had to, had to put it in my face. So so it, it looked like it was like blurring it out because it, it was like not safe for work or something. It was really, really funny. Uh, Joey, I'm going to let you go ahead and follow Drew up because I'm going to be the uh, disappointment caboose at the end here. What are you having uh, for today's edition of Level Up Live? Yeah, not quite from an advent calendar, but I'm drinking some bourbon tonight. Some Woodford Reserve. Very nice. Oh, straight up. I should have done uh, some bourbon yeah so i was at the local abc store which for those people that are not in the commonwealth of virginia <laughs> that is our uh state government's uh real source of income because uh, they outpriced the crap out of alcohol uh it is called filibuster bourbon um it's a distillery or filibuster distillery it's out in uh strasburg virginia area they were giving out free samples of their bourbon and it was super good. It so was, you brought the free sample home. Not only did I sample it twice, but I bought the bottle also. Um, but yeah, I mean, free samples at an alcohol store? Give me a break. Uh, but yeah, instead, I just have water, so I apologize. Um, it's The, the alcohol is right there. Right there, and I can't reach it. It's too far away. Uh, so I apologize. All right. We have our beverages. We have a very exciting show ahead here on Level Up Live as we go through all the nominees for the 2022 game awards so let's go ahead and get into the nominees and uh i guess we're going to call this the gaming esports news section it's fine it's whatever let's call it the game awards selection show if you will and this segment Ooh. is presented by gamer bites bite-sized gaming esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox sign up today if you are here on twitch you are in luck because guess what i am putting it in chat right now that's the link. Super cool there. You listen to the podcast. It'll be in the show notes for you below as well. Sign up today to get the latest and greatest in gaming esports news in your inbox. Joey, without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to you, and I'm going to follow your lead and click on the button. I will be your Vanna White to your Pat Sajak. Wow. With this being a selection show too, John, with the first overall pick in the 2022 <laughs> Game Awards draft, uh, I think we'll start from the bottom, right? Game of the Year is going to be the biggest one. A lot of the bigger categories are up at the top, so let's walk it back from the esports categories. Uh, the esports ones, from what we've seen in the past, have been a little hit or miss here and there, uh, as well as content creators. Sometimes we don't even quite know the content creators, so that'll be fun. But best esports event is a great place to start, in my opinion, so everyone go ahead and click on that. For those live with us here on Twitch, we'll be putting it up on the stream. For those listening to the audio version, we will vocalize everything so you guys will be able to visually follow along in your head. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, right? So, best eSport event is recognizing an event across single or multiple days that delivered a best-of-class experience for participants in the broadcast audience. This year's nominees, Valorant Champions 2022, the 2022 Mid-Season Invitational for League of Legends, PGL Major Antwerp 2022 for CSGO, 2022 League of Legends World Championship, and then for the fighting game community fans out there, we have EVO 2022. Uh, Drew, they hear us talk about esports a lot on the show. You're a little bit newer to some of our listeners. Go ahead and give us your initial thoughts on these nominees and which one stands out to you as the potential winner. Uh, well, first, I'm a little sad to not see HCS on there because it's the only uh, esports event I've been to in person. And there were definitely some <laughs> issues, so I can see why. But it was a blast. Um, I'm not super familiar with most of these actual events. Uh, all of the you know the games behind the esport I'm familiar with, but... Uh, honestly, League of Legends, the World Championship, I hear people at work talk about it. They're not even League fans or esports fans. So for me, that seems like an easy and obvious choice, uh, but that's my uninformed opinion. John, you're up to the clock. Uh, with the second overall uh, pick here in the category. No, uh, Drew's 100% correct, and it's, it's for legitimate reasons, though. Uh, not saying your reason isn't legitimate. I mean, the fact that people that don't follow esports are talking about the League of Legends World Tournament is a clear indicator of how big that really is. It is really, out of all of these on here, is the only one that breaks into mainstream media, that breaks into the non, that gets out of the realm of nerdom, if you will. And the numbers are always impressive. And this year's Worlds competition for League of Legends was incredible. Absolutely incredible viewership. Again, you know, not just in North America, but worldwide. Shattered records. Uh, I mean, it's it's incredibly impressive how year after year Riot finds a way to build on and improve uh, the World Championship for League of Legends. They did it again this year as absolutely incredible. I love the fact that they're now bringing in big name artists to help create like the overall theme. I mean, Little Nas X absolutely killed it, killed it with Star Walking this year. Uh, that song is on every single radio station that plays top forty music. Uh, and when they say the name of the song, they say it's the League of Legends champ World Championship song as well. It is broken into the mainstream out of all of these on there. Don't get me wrong, all of them are great, but League of Legends, hands down, is the clear winner every year. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, as you said, John, they've won it the last couple of years. It's at least been the last two, if not more than that. On top of that, this year's broke records. It pulled into the mainstream as League of Legends used to be the only esport that can really do that consistently. On top of that, we had probably one of the greatest finals, if not the greatest finals in League of Legends World's history. Uh, phenomenal storylines that came along with that. All of these other ones, again, I don't want to discredit some of these other events. Valorant, I think this was their first championship, if I remember correctly, or maybe their second, but it was quite good too. Evo was phenomenal this year. But when it comes down to the gladiator of League of Legends, it's just tough for any of these to really compete in the arena. And in the end, I think League of Legends takes it, both my vote and the overall vote. Um, I'm assuming you guys are giving both votes here too, Prediction and your single votes for League of Legends. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, John, you can obviously vote however you want because this is your ballot on this screen This is the here. level up ballot, um, but it's, sir. Oh, this, it is going to be the level, level up ballot. ballot. I'm not putting... Oh, it's literally, it's literally the level, the level up, up ballot. <laughs> love it. You love to see it, fam. Okay, so League of Legends takes it for best esports event. Moving on to the next category. We have best esports coach. The esports coach judged to be the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2022. Drew, who are our nominees? 
Uh, why are you making me read these? I don't like you. See you. Those because names. I think it would be fun for our guests to read some of these names. <laughs> All right. Well, we have Andre Blade Horodinsky of Natus Vincere, CSGO. Uh, Matthias Bizka Terrasconi, Loud, Valorant. Aaron Doombros Sandgren, FPX, also Valorant. Uh, Robert Robin Dahlstrom, FaZe Clan, CSGO. And Go, Score, Dong Bin, uh, Jin Ji, lol. Uh, the only one that I know on the list. Shocking. Uh, well, so since I've had to read all these names, let's go to Joey first to hear uh, what your prediction is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wish I knew more about a lot of these coaches, but I honestly don't know a ton. Uh, for me, I would go with Matthias. Matthias, I think is actually how it's pronounced. Uh, loud for Valorant. Loud just has a phenomenal story as an organization overall this year. Hailing out of Brazil, they've made their name uh, really in quite a few titles this year. They made some noise over in Dota 2. On top of that, they won Valorant, which is phenomenal, especially up against some of these bigger orgs like your Fanatics, your FPXs. Uh, FaZe Clan is involved in a lot of these as well with some pretty strong teams. So overall, for them to come out to be from a smaller region and in South America, where we don't really see a ton of esports representation, to come up here to get the job done, I think for me that's enough to not only push him forward as the coach here, but just that organization in general. I think had a phenomenal year. Yeah, I, I I'm going to jump in. I 100% agree. Uh, there's a lot of really great talented coaches on here, but I think uh, what Loud was able to accomplish and what he was able to accomplish with that team in the inaugural Worlds for Valorant, I think it speaks, pun intended, incredibly loud, uh, very loudly in the world of esports, and the fact that it comes from a region. Uh, that really doesn't shine too much in the world of esports. Absolutely love that. I, I think it's great for Valorant. I think it's great for esports. Uh, and that, that's where my vote goes as well. Well, consider me swayed. That's where I will vote also because I know less than zero, even, even with just the one coach whose name I recognized. And I mentioned it over in chat, but I also find it slightly ironic that Score is the coach here for League of Legends. Uh, I, I honestly feel like this is their way of saying League of Legends is not going to sweep the esports category right. this year. Um, it, it just it feels like it, he wasn't even one of the top two teams at Worlds. Um, again, he did a good job coaching, but I don't know. I just it feels a little sus to me. Um, but overall, one thing that was not sus was Loud's performance. So congratulations! It sounds like he takes the level up vote for best esports coach. Over to the best esports team, recognizing a specific esports team, not the full organization, judged the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2022. So let's say Cloud9, for example, it's not the organization being voted for. It would be Cloud9 CSGO team or Cloud9's League of Legends team or whatever it ends up being. Uh, John, the nominees for this one are... Uh, Loud from Valorant, LA Thieves from Call of Duty, Gen G from League of Legends, some organization called FaZe Clan from CSGO, and Dark Zero Esports from Apex Legends. Yes, that game is not dead. It is still alive. And Dark Zero Esports is the nominee. Yeah, there's some good ones in here. I think FaZe Clan is strong. They're probably third for me personally. Um, Dark Zero Esports, also phenomenal. They're a nice little underdog story, making a good name for themselves here in Apex. But as I said with the coach, I'm just going to keep it going here. I think Loud is the team for me. 100%. I will second that uh, for all the same reasons I said for the coach. Uh, loud for Valorant, it has my vote as well. I saw a lot of chat on on Twitter about LA Thieves uh, and the Call of Duty stuff this year, though. So they're they're another name that I know is probably going to get a lot of recognition just because of the scene that they're in and you know Call of Duty Bros. But 
the way y'all talk about loud, I don't see how anyone but them could win this category. And I guess I'll get to be surprised next week when it comes out. Yeah, I think loud should win it again. And I don't know the exact weight of the fan vote. Uh, if it is a heavy fan vote, FaZe Clan and LA Thieves automatically move up in stock. Mm. But I think it is pretty much committee-based. And then I think fans are like 10% or 15%. We'll have to look at the about as we go through these. Um, but yeah, I think Loud is definitely the most deserving, in my humble opinion. And in yours, guys, as well, it sounds like, for best esports team. Yeah, if, if it was a heavy fan vote to determine it, uh, FaZe could finish dead last. In fact, FaZe could be relegated if relegation was a thing in esports. And they would still win every year. <laughs> annoying it is like that sometimes <laughs> best esports athlete this one the esports athlete judged to be the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2022 irrespective of the game we have chovi from gen g league of legends faker from t1 league of legends kerrigan from phase clan csgo team simple from not as vnc or navi i'm not even going to try to pronounce that csgo's team and then we have yay from cloud nine valorant Quite a few sharpshooters in here from CSGO and Valorant, but I think for me, it's got to be Faker. The unkillable Demon King, sure, he didn't get the job done. He lost in Game 5 of the World Championship for League of Legends, but the fact that he won in Season 2 and then has come all the way here and is still competing at the highest level in a championship with probably the deepest esports talent out there worldwide as they continue to turn over player and player, and he's still at the top. So for me, Faker just being on this list so many years later is just a phenomenal occurrence. Yeah, and, and if we remember, Faker kind of fell off a little bit too. A lot of his teammates left um, T1. A lot, of, you know, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of turmoil. The patches didn't exactly favor his play style. Granted, he was able to adapt, but at the end of the day, you know, that this isn't the silver Elo. One player is not going to be able to carry your team to a victory all the time. Uh, and that's what we saw for a little bit. T1 kind of fell on hard times, but Faker was the consistent factor for T1. They rebuilt the roster around him. He had a say in the roster. He came back, and he was, as Joey said, the unkillable, unkillable demon again in the mid lane. Uh, the dude is just absolutely insane in League of Legends. I, I love the story. I love how he was able to bounce back from several several years of being down and finishing Uh you know, not top in the LCK, kind of middle of the pack, working his way back in there. Uh, just a legendary player. It, it, like Joey said, it says an absolute lot to see him back on this list. Um, and it's it's a great list to be a part of. There, there's a lot of really great talents here for eSport athletes. Uh, my one last comment here, I love how Ye is rocking the Optic jersey, and he's from Cloud9 uh, in his picture on the website. Like, like, come on, Game Awards, you couldn't update your photo, but no, it's fine. Well, so I think he was technically an optic during 2022, but he just signed with Cloud9. Mm. So honestly, Cloud9 kind of got lucky here getting their name listed. Uh (laughs) Drew, any final thoughts on the esports athlete for 2022? Uh, once again, showing a little bit of my ignorance, Faker's the only one that I really recognize on here, but once again, just talking about how people talk about athletes, it seems like every year in uh, League of Legends, and especially in like the LEC, there's a, a young faker or a new faker. This guy could be the next faker. And so if you're constantly having young talent compared to you and as the next you, you're a legend. It's not hard to, to know that you're the best there is if everyone's trying to be you. Couldn't agree more. Next up, and again, guys, for those who don't follow esports, there's just a couple more of these. If you really don't want to listen, you can just fast forward a little bit. 
as we will be, well, for the live listeners, you don't really have a choice. Uh, but for those who are on the podcast version, just a little fast forward, and we will be into some game categories. But first, best esports game. For the game that has delivered the best overall esports experience to players, inclusive of tournaments, community support, and content updates, irrespective of genre or platform, Drew, the nominees are... We've got Counter-Strike Global Offensive from Valve, Dota 2 from Valve, League of Legends, Riot Games, Rocket League, Psyonix, and Valorant from Riot Games. So three different uh, publishers here, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, tells you what you need to know about uh, esports games and, and who's going to make them and where the money is. There you go. John, not too much new blood into the pool here. Who wins it for your kind of ongoing best esports game? It, it's tough. I mean, it really is tough to compete against the, the giga giant that is League of Legends. Uh, yes, Counter-Strike has a massive following. I, I get that. Yes, Dota 2 has a big following, but when you think of Dota 2 and the international, the first thing that pops into your mind is the crowdfunded price pool. Uh, you don't really hear anything else outside of Dota 2 unless you're like really deep in that Dota 2 community. Rocket League's great. I love Rocket League. Uh, I love playing Rocket League. It doesn't get enough love. It, it really doesn't, and uh, it, it's, it just doesn't pull the same numbers as these other games do. Uh, and unfortunately for Rocket League, you know, it's great to be nominated. Uh, unfortunately, they're just happy to be here, it feels like. Uh, Valorant, I think, is a, is a dark horse. I, I think their Worlds tournament was very well done. Again, it's Riot. Riot knows what to do. They know what works. They've had years to work on it with League of Legends. Uh, you know, you saw a lot of, uh, you know, similarities on uh, graphic design from League of Legends, from the 3D model characters in there. Uh, and, and kind of uh, they tweaked that over the years. We see new models, new skins come out, and we can see their uh, their ability to adapt and change and come up with new ways of showing characters. And we saw that in Valorant. Valorant is absolutely great. It's a great game. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that's going to be your dark horse. I'm going to give it to League of Legends, but it would not surprise me if Valorant came up there. Um, but, but again, all five of these titles well-deserving. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well, John. I feel like League of Legends gets my vote, but Valorant is very much a dark horse here. Uh, they're newer onto the scene compared to a lot of these that have been kind of mainstays in esports for a few years now. Valorant being new, coming out and starting so strong as they did. On top of that, you go into a little bit of our team vote and our coach vote. You have Loud as a fun storyline to follow. This new team out of Brazil making a lot of noise, taking down a lot of these top dogs on the way to winning their world championship. So there is a great storyline there, and that could edge Valorant forward. But all these games have done really well update-wise. I think League of Legends and Valorant, again, are a little step ahead of the rest uh, in just updating in general. You're constantly getting new champions or new agents in Valorant's case. You're constantly getting other changes um, from really bi-weekly patches at this point in both games. They just continue to keep things optimized, continue to keep that scene healthy. So I would be stunned if either of these two didn't win. I could see them slotting it over to CSGO, but I think the most deserving is League of Legends and Valorant. My vote goes League of Legends. Drew, how about yours? Uh, I'm actually giving my vote to Rocket League. Uh, I think that what they have done, starting as this kind of silly game that was a, I think it was a PlayStation exclusive, wasn't it, when it came out? Like, uh, but it's it's little cars that look like RC cars with rockets on the back of it, hitting a soccer ball in an arena. Like that's that's very silly and very fun, and they have turned it into this kind of a big deal and they're keeping it updated they're putting in you know the cosmetics and changing the modes up and just 
making sure that that performance is there, that players want to come and have fun. And I feel like that's kind of what this category is, is they're, they're really trying to serve their audience. And it's a, it's a game with RC cars with rockets on it. If people are still playing it, they're doing something right. And, you know, to be honest, to Drew's point here, Rocket League is probably the game with the smallest learning curve, if you will, uh, in For comparison sure. to all these other games. So if, if you're new to competitive gaming, picking up Rocket League is going to be a lot easier. Learning how to fly in that car is going to be a lot easier than it is to learn the 8 million different items in League of Legends, to learn the 5 billion different characters in League of Legends. Um, and also from a viewer standpoint... Joy, you and I, uh, again, we were lucky to see the World Championship here in Washington, D.C. when it was here several years ago. Uh, in comparison to other esport events that we've gone to live, Rocket League is nonstop action. It is constantly going for five minutes. There's always something going on. Where for League of Legends, it's going to take you 15 minutes to gear up to what's going on. Yeah, you might have a gank here or there. Yeah, you might be able to see something coming along uh, in, in the next five to seven minutes. They're setting up for something. But again, you have to know the game incredibly well to see that and, and watch it build up where Rocket League is instant gratification to the viewer. And plus, you take a look at someone who's tuning into esports for the first time, Rocket League is going to be the easiest one for them to pick up on. Now, that being said, like I feel like that will get overlooked quite a bit, especially by people in the esports scene, because that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for that big payoff. And that big payoff is your pentakill. That big payoff is is clutching a site, uh, is getting that last kill, uh, or you know, uh, a, a single player taking down three players on, on point B in CSGO or whatever. That's what esport fanatics are looking for. So uh, you know, I feel bad for Rocket League because Rocket League really is quite possibly one of the best, if not the best, esport game overall in general. But because the esport community likes that next level when it comes to esports, it has no chance. Yeah, I think like what you said, it's very translatable for someone who's jumping into it. It's similar to sports, right? It's soccer with these rocket-powered cars. It's pretty easy to tell when someone scores because it says scores, and it's like a goal like in soccer or hockey or any of those netted kind of sports. So overall, it is one that's very translatable to the audience, but I think they do suffer from a couple things, right? Scheduling is terrible in that game. If you try to follow a team in that game, it could be like three weeks, four weeks before they play again. And then these other teams play, and you're like, hey, where's my team at? It's kind of a mess, and I feel like that's the biggest way for that game to improve. Um, but also, like, the depth of it, right? I'm not going to say these angles and things like that are not cool, but the level of different... Just the way to analyze things in, like, a Dota or a League of Legends or even rotations in CSGO or Valorant, there's a lot more depth to them overall, in my opinion. So I think for those higher-level esports thinkers, that's one of the things that currently holds Rocket League back a little bit as well. With that being said, we did split the vote here, but I think, John, you and I both went League of Legends, so that will win the level up vote in the end, which brings us to the next category, moving out of the esports categories to the most anticipated game, recognizing an announced game that has dem dem demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. John, our nominees for this category are... The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Starfield. I'm not going to do that. Resident Evil 4, Hogwarts Legacy, and Final Fantasy. Uh, Drew, I'm going to let you go first uh, if, if you want. Because um, if not, I, I'm very opinionated on, on this uh, <laughs> category. Uh, what game are you most anticipated for, and who do you think is going to win this category? Oh, man. Um, well, 
uh, betting man, I would put money on Starfield uh, because it is a Bethesda game, um, and all their games are always massively hyped. And this one looks like it's going to be worthy of the hype, but it's 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 just this massive thing. But I also wonder then about Zelda because folks have been clamoring for a Breath of the Wild sequel since Breath of the Wild came out, and Nintendo has done their very good job of slow-feeding people information about it uh, to really build it up. Personally, I'm very much excited for Hogwarts Legacy. I think that game looks really phenomenal. Um, Previous ventures into the Harry Potter universe in video games have not been the best. Uh, Lego Harry Potter is pretty fun. Any of the movie-based games were terrible. Uh, and then they had their little Pokemon Go clone that was popular for like a year and a half and doesn't exist anymore. They took it down. Um, so I'm excited at the idea of kind of an open world magic universe where you get to, you know, pick your house, go Slytherin, uh, and, and kind of live this story that hasn't been written anywhere else. So that's that's the one I'm most excited about. But as a betting man, I'd have to put money on Starfield. Go ahead, John. What you got? Yeah, Drew's spot on. Uh, This is tough. This might be one of the toughest categories out there because all five of these games are hyped for a reason. Uh, And the hype is real for every single one of these games. I mean, you take a look at just the communities around uh, Zelda behind Resident Evil, Final Fantasy. I mean, that thing's been going on since, you know, Jesus walked the earth. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Hogwarts Legacy. I mean, I'm right there with Drew. I'm super excited for that. The idea that I can be sorted into Slytherin because that's the only correct house uh, and then have my like Hogwarts experience in a video game, I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. I think that's going to go over incredibly well. Um, but, the, but the issue is Starfield. Starfield looks incredible. Uh, Bethesda did a fantastic job at teasing this game. The teaser that came out. Uh, while it really didn't give us a look at the in-game graphics or anything or how the game is going to be played, uh, it built up enough hype. That, that that little sizzle reel that they gave us was enough to hook us for like another six months, it felt like. Then we finally got to see gameplay and the graphics and how everything worked. It looks absolutely stunning. The story from that's been told to us has been amazing. Uh, was There's hundreds of planets you can travel to. It's absolutely a massive, massive universe that I just feel like has captured the imagination of most of the gamers out there. And that's also the game I think might have the biggest bust potential that if it's not going to be able to live up to the standards, that Starfield could be dead on arrival if it's bad. But that goes to show how anticipated that game is. So my vote is for Starfield. Uh, but I, I'm right there with Hogwarts as a close second, in my personal opinion. So I would be stunned if Final Fantasy 16 wins. I would be pretty surprised if Resident Evil 4 wins. So the top three for me are Hogwarts Legacy, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hogwarts Legacy, I think, has one advantage, and that's because it's releasing on every platform. Every other one of these games will not be releasing day one on every platform, I believe. I think... Resident Evil 4, I'm not 100% sure on, but I think there is a limited exclusivity window on that one as well. So Hogwarts does have that vote where it can pull people from all the different spots versus these other ones that can't. Starfield, it's Todd Howard's next game. We haven't seen a new Todd Howard game in like 10 years. We know Skyrim has been freaking remastered and game of the year and redone and sold on Nintendo Switch and put on refrigerators. 
and it's, it's just done phenomenally well, right? Skyrim sold over and over, even though it keeps coming out over and over. So everyone's excited for Todd Howard's next game. I think Starfield's going to be great, and it will pull in a lot of votes for Xbox and PC players, plus probably pull in some more players from other consoles to check it out as well. And then The Legend of Zelda, we've been all pretty much waiting, whether you have a Switch or not. Everyone has kind of been anticipating when is this game going to get announced, what's it going to be called. So for me personally, I am most excited for Starfield. Uh, I do like the idea of swinging my wand around in some Harry Potter and creating my own story like Drew mentioned. But Starfield having a thousand planets like John mentioned, the ability to mine all these resources and meet all these people. The dialogue, there's like triple the dialogue of what was in Skyrim. And Skyrim was already massive. So I can't even imagine the relationships that can be made and the different connections and potentially the alien races on some of these planets and just the diversity in general. So I love the idea of spending countless hours in that game. So that one does pull my vote as most anticipated game. But I do think the award here goes to The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I think just the anticipation behind Zelda is so high. Even with it only being on Nintendo Switch, we've seen how well Pokemon sells. I think Zelda probably pulls in quite a few votes here as well. So I think that makes our level up vote Starfield for this category. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. Okay, best adaptation. Guys, this is the new category this year, the one and only, I believe. It's recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment form. Uh, I love this. I think this is a great award. There is some speculation that it got added because Jeff Keighley really likes PlayStation and The Last of Us is coming out pretty soon. Uh, if you guys want to believe that, feel free to. I personally don't think that's the case. I think it's just because we're getting so many video game shows and movies and just different adaptations in general coming out in recent years and so many more in the works, like 70-some projects still to come. So with that being said, the nominees are Arcane, League of Legends, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, both of those on Netflix, also on Netflix, The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 from Sega Sammy and Paramount Pictures. And then last but not least, we have, it's cut off on my page, but I believe it's Uncharted from Sony down at the bottom here. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, I do think a lot of these are phenomenal. I've seen all of them and enjoyed them quite a bit. But one does stand above the rest for me, and that is Arcane for League of Legends. Uh, just the number of awards that show has won is phenomenal. I think the art style is incredibly unique compared to so many others. Uh, we have a lot of different other cool stuff with it as well. The music design, the animation, the voice acting is top-notch. Uh, I feel like there are just so many strong aspects to it. Am I still frozen over there? No, you're, you're good now, okay. but we, we have no idea what, you, yeah. what show you're we, talking we about. We know it's not Uncharted because you said animated. That's the only thing yes. we know. Uh, well, two of these are. Well, I guess one does have more animation. Uh, Arcane League of Legends, guys, I think is the winner for me. Uh, not only the winner for me, but I think it does win the award as well, prediction-wise. Um, overall, it's just phenomenal. I think they did a really good job in many different aspects. From the animation winning tons of awards, the music, the voice acting, uh, just I don't think of many things wrong with that stuff. Even the storyline was phenomenal, the way they tied it back into the game, the way they hinted at other characters involved in the game that could come up in the show later on, or maybe are already in the show but may change in different ways to kind of reveal themselves. Uh, I just feel like it was really well done. The time skips were also really well done, and that can be hard to do in shows and movies at times. So I just, the only thing I have is praise for Arcane, and I think that makes it stand above for me. I'll start off by saying I really enjoyed Uncharted as a movie. Um, it is not the winner here. Um, I think its big strength is also its big weakness in that you don't have to know a darn thing about Uncharted or what it is to enjoy the movie. But then it's not really a 
video game adaptation at that point. It doesn't add anything to that world. Um, that being said, I do hope they make a second one because it was fun. Um, same for Sonic. Uh, those are the, the those movies are actually much better than I think any of us thought they would be. But one, just again, good entertainment, but nothing nothing phenomenal. I actually haven't seen the Cuphead show, but I have seen Arcane and Edge Runners, and those are both phenomenal properties that are incredibly well done. They add so much depth to the lore of those worlds that it's kind of a toss-up for me. But I think I'm going to have to also go with Arcane because League of Legends uh, is, is, is a MOBA, so you don't get a lot of the lore itself by playing the game. And so Arcane does an amazing job of exploring some of the lore from that world um, in a beautiful, entertaining way so you can really be a fan of that game and get to learn even more about it in this way that's just completely different from from what you can normally experience. And it just, I got to go with it. This is something insane. Uh, for our listeners that listen to Level Up quite a bit, our listeners and viewers know how much we are so nervous when there's a video game adaptation that comes out because the history of adaptations for video games has not been good. In fact, it has been absolute crap. Uh, and Arcane really turned heads. Uh, Arcane really uh, proved me wrong, and I'm happy it proved me wrong. Arcane is absolutely phenomenal. Edge Runners is absolutely amazing as well. The Cuphead show gives me PTSD from playing Cuphead. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, I love Sonic. I, I, I love the world of Sonic. I love the characters in Sonic. Uh, it's a great, funny movie. I love the fact that Jim Carrey's in it, and I think he does. A, he plays a great Dr. Robotnik. Uh, I, I think it's a good movie. Uncharted, another good movie, another good adaptation of a video game. All five of these, first off, deserve a round of applause for not sucking. Uh, it is absolutely massive, and, and I can't say that enough. I get so terrified uh, anytime there's a video game adaptation that comes out there because the Mario Bros. movie is, to this day, uh, the reason why I cringe at anything other, uh, any other media form of a video game that's not in the game itself because uh, it's just it's that bad. Uh, that being said, there is a clear winner uh, in, in my book. And it's arcane, hands down, uh, from the art style to the story uh, to somehow making me care about a character I absolutely suck at playing in-game. Uh, that's insane. Like, like, everyone who has played League of Legends for me knows that there's a, like, pool of five champions I actually really care about that I actually like and enjoy playing because I care about the character. Uh, Jinx is not one of them. I, I, I can't play Jinx. I'm a bad Jinx player, but Arcane made me care. Uh, and kind of seeing other characters in the League of Legends world get brought to life and have a story and a personality outside of the same eight voice lines was really, really cool. And on top of that, everyone knows how much I hate Imagine Dragons. Uh, Joey, Spotify Wrapped came out yesterday. You want to know what song was in my top 100 for this past year? Please enlighten us. <laughs> Enemy by Imagine Dragons, the theme song of Arcane. That should tell you enough. Arcane gets my vote hands down. All five are well-deserving of the nomination. Arcane has absolutely set the standard, and it is the highest of high bars going forward. Everything is going to be matched up against Arcane. 
Sounds like Arcane is the easy winner for the level up vote as we all go with that. Drew, like you said, Cyberpunk did do quite well as well. And they've already mentioned how many numbers of people have picked up the game after watching it. So it does show, as John was saying, a lot of these do struggle to come out and make the impact. But if they do come out and make that impact, you can see it coming in DLC sales and game sales uh, in just social media activity around the game and the property in general. So there are a lot of big positives to be had with a number of these if they do land well. Continuing the train, moving along, we're getting into some more game-specific genre categories now. We will speed things up a little bit for some of these as we continue along. The best debut indie for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. So not just any studio, it is an independent studio and it's a new one at that. We have Neon White coming in from Angel Matrix and Annapurna Interactive. Norco from Geography of Robots and Raw Fury. Stray from Blue 12 Studio and Annapurna. Tunic from the Tunic team and Finji. And then Vampire Survivors from the developer and publisher of Ponkle. Uh, overall, I think all of these are well-deserving. There might be another game or two that I would probably include on this list as well, but unfortunately, there's only five nominees here. The highest-rated game, I believe, is Neon White, and that is probably the one I would choose to win this category in my personal vote. With that being said, I do think there's two other ones that stand out as the potential winner. My prediction will be that Stray takes this category from Blue 12 Studio, but I think Vampire Survivors will be right up there in second or third as well. Over to you, John. I, I can't use my copy pasta now. <laughs> was it about Stray? Uh, yeah. It was about Stray, yes. Uh, yes, I, I'm voting for Stray. Stray was fantastic. I mean, for uh, a, a debut indie game, it is everything you wanted uh, and more. And they gave you things that you weren't really expecting. I mean, Joey, a dedicated meow button for the love of God that needs to be in every game going forward. Uh, whether there's a cat in it or not, I need a dedicated meow button. I love it. The way they told the story through the eyes of a cat uh, is challenging. I mean, no one knows what it's like to be a cat. And here's a video game that kind of gives you, I don't know, maybe a peek into a cat's world. Oh, no. Cats are great. I love the game. I love playing the game. I thought it was cute. I thought it was a lot of fun. Stray gets my vote. Yeah, it's it's such a crazy, cute, adorably wonderful idea. Like, who sits down and thinks, I want to make a game where I get to be a cat and live as a cat and not make it just this happy, like, daydream of being a cat, but kind of like what what reality is actually like for, for a cat. And, you know, still make it cute and fun, but it's not all just happy sunshine, naps, and fish. Like, there, there's some real depth to it, and that's very impressive to do. Uh, I will say Tunic is another one that I heard a whole lot of people talking about, and I won't be surprised if it at least gets, you know, some votes um and and competes in this category because it took it blew a lot of people away and it's really basic like i mean it's a zelda knockoff we all know that it look at it but it was it was a really good game and there were people who were absolutely crazy about it um so i i think it's deserving of attention as well it's probably going to get some votes but i'm gonna have to go with stray too because that's just a, a phenomenal idea that they nailed the execution on and don't let the cute fox disturb you. I mean, this game is hard as hell. Like, I got drawn in. Adorable fox. Looks like a Zelda game. It plays like freaking Dark Souls. It is hella punishing. You go up there, you die. It's like, oh, go back to the start of the island and good luck. Uh, so, yeah, it is. I don't know how many people actually beat the game. I'd be curious to see that percentage because it is much more difficult than I expected it to be. So, in the end, I think the level up vote goes to Stray. Uh, two straight-up votes for Stray, and then my prediction is that Stray does win it as well. Over to Content Creator of the Year, always one of the wackiest categories. 
John, go ahead and read off our nominees. <laughs> Carl Jacobs, Lutwig, uh, Nobilian, or we're going to go with it, No Brew, and QT Cinderella are your nominees for 2022. Joey, since you know everything about these streamers, I'm going to toss it off to you next. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth on this, and a good number of the times, I really don't know who half these people are. For me, the two most popular ones are Ludwig and Cutie Cinderella. I think Ludwig takes the win here. He's just been kind of like, I would say, the face of streamers this past year. For a while, it was Ninja. Then we had Shroud kind of step up to the plate. And there's been some other ones like Pokimane, obviously, on the female side. Um, but overall, I think Ludwig is the big winner here. I would be surprised if he doesn't win. Um, but again, this category has kind of eluded us the last couple of years. So I'm not really sure. Drew. Um, I could actually see Nibelian sweeping in here just because of the whole thing around him leaving Twitter after... Um... After old, old Elon swooped in and quote-unquote came to save the day, we'll leave that lie. Um, but, you know, he, he had a pretty solid following, and then there was a whole lot of conversation around him once he, he backed out of Twitter, and I think he also shut down his Patreon as well. So, I mean, that's that's going to get a lot of people's attention, and he had a pretty big impact on gaming world and news. Um, and I'm also going to be honest, I don't really know who any of these people are. They're not any of the people I follow or get news from, or get content from. So the fact that I know his name tells me that maybe that's how some other people are going to feel too. Oh, that's fair. Uh, it's Ludwig for me. If uh, He left Twitch, uh, went to YouTube, has been absolutely killing it on YouTube, has been doing incredibly well. Really feel like he's, like Joey said, has taken the face of streaming, uh, that number one spot away from uh, Ninja. I, like, whatever happened to Ninja? Like, I just, like He just like disappeared all of a sudden. Uh, Ludwig easily hands down his streams are always entertaining uh, the content the fan uh, uh, in engagement uh, with chat uh, I think is great uh, he, he does a lot of fun stuff his interviews outside of his streams are a lot of fun as well on the different podcasts he goes on uh, I, I think uh, Ludwig for content creator of the year I, I think is a, is a solid block in Great stuff there. So Ludwig does get the level up vote, which moves us to best multiplayer game for the outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game genre or platform. Drew, the nominees for this one are... Surprise, surprise. Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Multiversus, Overwatch 2, Splatoon 3, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which I love its inclusion here. Um, well, I'll just go ahead and dive into it with some of my thoughts here. Um, Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty, that's always going to be in the topic for, for best online multiplayer because that is what they do. Yeah, people love the story, especially in the Modern Warfare series. They always like to, to see what kind of gritty, fun surprises are going to get thrown in there. But you buy this game for the multiplayer, and we all know it. Um, multiverses, very cool idea. Get to get all these different characters together to fight each other. I mean, the fact that it's Shaggy and Batman in the image it just tells you everything you need to know about what that game really is. Uh, Overwatch 2, a lot of us were convinced it was never actually going to be a real thing. Uh, and it's been very popular since it finally actually came out and was revealed to be, in fact, a real game. Uh, Splatoon 3, people go nuts for those squid kids. Uh, Nintendo has done it again with making a somehow violent, non-violent uh, shooting game uh, with a lot of fun modes. It's very cool. And then you can't beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I have so many fond memories of, of arcade machining it up with folks playing some Ninja Turtles. Um, I think my vote for this one, though, is going to have to go to Call of Duty as like stereotypical as it is. It's just what they do. 
and it's always fun. Warzone 2, maybe not, but the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer, perfect as always. Okay, I'm going to jump in here. I'm between two. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. If you're looking at player count, it's the highest up there. On top of that, modes. You have a number of maps out there for the classic multiplayer mode. There's different co-op modes. You have DMZ as a new mode. Warzone 2 came out as well. So there's just tons of variety, and I think that's one thing that sets Call of Duty apart. On top of that, just the record sales. It's already broken the Call of Duty record for sales. Uh, really, multiplayer record in general. It's selling phenomenally well. Uh, the servers and the hit registration is a little sus at times. Uh, so that is one thing that I wouldn't exactly call outstanding. Um, but overall, it has been very good. But I do think Multiverses deserves to be here. And I think one of the big reasons is no one has touched Smash Brothers in so long. It's always been Super Smash or Brawl or Melee. They've always done phenomenal, and it's always been Nintendo with that fighting game style that's not your Street Fighter, that's not all of these pretty much, I'm not going to say similar, because I don't want to offend the fighting game community, but Smash is definitely different from a lot of the ones out there currently. Multiverses came in and did that, and they did that with a ton of different IPs. Nintendo pulling from a lot of their own IPs, they have guests here and there, but Multiverses really diving into the IPs owned by Warner Brothers, changing up the fighting style, adding some really good hitboxes in recent updates as well. On top of that, they have some really cool collaborations coming. They've done a good job updating maps. Uh, the servers, in my opinion, are actually better than the Call of Duty servers. Now, obviously, there's a lot less players playing the game as well. Um, but I think I'm going to go against the grain here and actually pick Multiverses to win this. I, I harped on this before when we were kind of previewing the categories the other week. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has not even been out for a full month. The reason why the servers suck right now is because the game is still needing to be patched. It's still needing to be fixed. And it, in my opinion, you have to be out longer in the year of 2022 uh, to even be considered a, a game of the year for 2022. Not even out for a month yet. Uh, November, uh, let me see here. What was the actual date? Let me double check real quick. Uh, let's see. Because I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, let's see here. Okay, it's been out for longer than a month. Pardon me. October 28th was when it came out. Uh, but still, uh, all, a, lot of, all, a lot of these games came out in the summertime, in the springtime. Uh, I don't know. Does it deserve to be nominated? Absolutely. It's a massive title. It has. It's going to pull in players. Players are going to buy Call of Duty just because it says Call of Duty. You could make Call of Duty the Duty Edition, and it would sell well uh, just because it says Call of Duty. <laughs> Uh, it could be, <laughs> you see, look at that. You don't even know what kind of game it's going to be. It, you know, it could be the last person taking a duty in a battle royale. How about that? Uh, it's going to be like musical duty chairs or something like, and people would still buy it. It'd be one of the best selling games of the entire. These are universe. some really crappy game ideas. You're coming right. Up it stinks <laughs> is how much it, it is. Uh, look, call of duty is going to win. It, it, it's going to, should it win? No, Joey, I actually agree with you hundred percent. It should be multiverses. Like like you just said, the fact that no one has gone up against Smash for years, for it feels like decades, like nothing has gone up against it. And then here comes Multiverses, backed by Warner Brothers Studios. Uh, I'm sorry, breaking news. It's a Warner Brothers game that does not suck. Look at that. That alone should be, should be getting nominations for Game of the Year because uh, Warner Brothers did something right for a change. Uh yeah, it's a great game. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to play. Yes, it doesn't sell as well as a Call of Duty because it, it like you call this Call of Duty Multiverses. 
I guarantee you it shatters records also. Uh, but I honestly think multiverses should win this, hands down. It should. It's not going to because it's not Call of Duty. But my personal vote, I would put it for multiverses. Okay, we have our vote. That's going to be two for multiverses taking the win in the category for the level up vote. That moves us over to the best sports and racing game. Who can copy and paste the best in the genre? We have F1 2022 with Codemasters and EA Sports. FIFA 23 with EA Vancouver, Romania and EA Sports. NBA 2K23 with Visual Concepts and 2K Sports. Gran Turismo 7 from Polyphony Digital and SIE. And then Ollie Ollie World from Roll7 and Private Division. Uh, I mean, guys, this is always tough, right? Like, a lot of these games are so copy and paste. I mean, like, I hate to say it that way. Sure, they update stats. We get a few new features each year. I think FIFA's added, like, new ways to dribble here and there. Uh, They've changed career modes up a few times. F1, obviously, the sport itself went through some major changes, and those were referenced into the video game as well. NBA 2K is always going to be up there in popularity. But those three are just so similar to me every year, so I can't vote for them. So I'm between Gran Turismo 7 and Ali Ali World. I honestly don't know what Ali Ali World is. Uh, it looks like a skateboarding game, which I think is cool and awesome. I just don't know enough about it. So I'm going to go Gran Turismo 7 here. It was a racing game that won last year with Forza Horizon 5. Forza looked phenomenal. I think Gran Turismo also looking very good and a nice return to form for that series. So Sony, PlayStation, Polyphony Digital, and Gran Turismo 7 get my vote. So I was trying to look up a little bit about Ali Ali World here. Um, apparently, it's the third game in the Ali Ali series uh, after ah, Ali so there was Ali 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 World. <laughs> uh, what about Ali Ali Oxenfree? Can that be DLC? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so it has some very very good reviews, and it came out on you know every platform. Its lowest score is an eighty four on the PS five, and its highest is an eighty seven on the PC and the Switch. So I mean pretty solid game it sounds like um but that being said i agree with you on those first three f1 fifa and nba copy and paste gran turismo 7 i haven't played it but from what i've looked at and what i've read and what i've seen that team really embraced the the technology that they have available to them to raise the bar again of what a true racing sim should look like and sound like and play like and i think it's it should be an easy vote but kind of like Call of Duty in the last category, I'm afraid that like FIFA or NBA is going to get the win because that's the one that everybody knows and has the, you know the the money behind it and it's like oh my athlete oh you know my jersey whatever. But Gran Turismo has got to be it. Joey, I'll be honest, I can't wait for uh, EA Sports FC so we don't have to say FIFA's name on the show anymore because uh, <laughs> right now I'm so pissed off with FIFA it's not even funny. Follow my Twitter if you really want to know. Um, F122. Uh, I think it's a great game. I think it's made a lot of changes from F1 21 uh, in, in a lot of good ways. The game doesn't feel as broken. 21 felt a little a little glitchy here and there. 22, I feel like from a gaming standpoint, did make some significant leaps and bounds more than what FIFA 20, 22 to 23 did. Uh, yes, they added more animations. Uh, yes, really, this was the first game that was built with the next-gen fully out and about and, 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 and raring to go with the technology and the specs and everything there. Uh, it looks great. It plays great. It's amazing. But it feels like a FIFA game. It feels like every other FIFA game that you played for the last five years. Uh, NBA 2K is great. It's fun. If you like basketball, go for it. Um, it, it feels like last year's model. It, it really does. Uh, it, hardcore players will be the ones that can tell the difference. 
Uh, but the problem is, is that's such a small percentage. It's it's really not even worth mentioning. Uh, Ollie Ollie World, I think it sounds great. I think it looks great. Uh, I love the fact that there's a series for it. It's fantastic. But, Joey, the one I'm going to go with is Gran Turismo 7. Uh, and the main reason why is the Gran Turismo series was one of two series I m- knew I was going to miss when I made the personal jump from PlayStation to Xbox. Uh, to this day, I still miss playing Gran Turismo quite a bit. I grew up with Gran Turismo. It was a fun game. I absolutely love it. It looks incredible. Like Drew said, the team behind it has made incredible leaps and bounds uh, for the in-game engine, how the cars handle the graphics, everything. Absolutely freaking love it. Uh, So for that reason, for the fact that I am now almost two full years into my journey on Xbox, I still miss Gran Turismo. That says something. Uh, so to, for me, I'm voting Gran Turismo. There we have it. Best sports racing game for the level up vote is going to be Gran Turismo 7. That brings us to the best simulation strategy game, category number 20. Best game focused on real-time or turn-based simulation or strategy, gameplay irrespective of the platform. The nominees are Dune Spice Wars, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, Total War Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus and Victoria 3. Uh, I think Two Point Campus is a great follow-up to Two Point Hospital. I think Dune is a great way to capitalize on that IP, and I like Spice Wars as a game, uh, especially after a hit movie that came out and won quite a few awards. But Mario plus Rabbid Sparks of Hope surprised me quite a bit this year, pulled in some really high critic scores. On top of that, really does a fun job of... Uh, refreshing that XCOM type of tactic genre. We saw Gears Tactics do a good job refreshing it a little bit in recent years as well. But Mario plus Rabbids not only brings the mechanics up to another level, but on top of that adds that fun, goofy humor. Uh, some very colorful environments as well. So Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope takes the win and honestly my guess as well for this category. I second that. Um, I, I think a lot of these games are a lot of fun. Uh, Two Point Campus is not a game for me. Uh, but I know why a lot of people love it. It's completely fine. That's great. Uh, Total Warhammer, massive cult following. Following, I get that. Dune, capitalizing on the amazing movie uh, that came out. Uh, it's a fun game as well. But when you stack it up against Mario uh, and then you add uh, the rabbits to it as well, it's just it's game over. Mario takes that hands down. Yeah, Mario. They 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 Mario kind of struck gold with the first Mario and Rabbits game. Um, I think people were kind of shocked at just how good it was, and then they managed to actually improve it and, and make it even better for a second one instead of just making a clone to try to you know capture that same audience once again so kudos to them for making it better and it's a surprisingly fun game mario plus rabbit sparks of hope takes the level up vote for best sim and strategy that brings us to best family for the best game appropriate for family play irrespective of genre or platform drew the nominees are uh the nominees are sorry i hadn't clicked my button yet uh kirby in the forgotten land Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga. Hey, look, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. Nintendo Switch Sports and Splatoon 3. We're finally getting into some repeats after the, those first 20 categories didn't really have any. <laughs> uh, so, Joey, why don't you get us started talking about this? Oh, good question. Um, So this is tough, right? Like, I think my definition of family game is a little different than the Game Awards. Like, all of these, sure, they're E for everyone, they're fun, they're enjoyable to play for many different ages. But when I think family game, I think of something that people can play together. And there's not really much to do with that in Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Lego Star Wars, there's co-op, so kind of. But, like, you gotta have a real small family to fit only two players in. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Splatoon 3. So, for me, honestly, this is an easy category, and I vote Nintendo Switch Sports. 
that's the only game that I can have like a full family type of play with each other on. A lot of these, the most you're going to see is co-op. So Nintendo Switch Sports wins it for me. Yeah, I mean, when I think family games, I'm right there with you, Joe. I'm thinking like maybe a Mario Party, uh, things where you have you know three, four, five players that that can tag along. You know, the average size family is still three to three to four uh, members in that family nucleus. So. Uh, you know, a co-op game is great. You might be able to play that, you know, uh, with a parent, with a sibling or with a friend. That's fine. That's great. But, you know, we're looking at three, four, five, six family members uh, for a family game. I'm right there with you with the definition of what a family game is. Uh, so I, I go with Switch Sports as well. I, I feel like that is really the only true, uh, you know, with that definition, the only true game that fits it. I'm going to have to play just a little bit of devil's advocate here, and I'm actually going to put my vote towards LEGO Star Wars. Um, you guys are making really good points about truly being able to have more people play all at once, um, and Nintendo Switch Sports is a lot of fun for that. But if I've got, you know, say a four-year-old that's wanting to play a game with me, I don't think trying to get them to play virtual soccer uh, running around my house is the way to do it. Uh, I think a game like LEGO Star Wars really lets them you know, embrace a couple a couple um, IPs that they know. They know Legos. They know Star Wars. You can have all sorts of goofy, silly fun in it. The storyline is engaging enough for anyone of any age to play with. And so I think it's really easy for you to play it with someone or hand it to a couple people to, to just be able to play and have a good time without having to really know or understand anything that you're, you're doing to have a good time. And I think that's what makes it really a family game. Now, I actually agree with that, too. Um, when you take a look at a game that a family can sit down and actually watch as well, where you can have fun watching other people play, whether it is one or two, I feel like that brings in a different aspect of that game also. And I feel like, uh, you know, Star Wars being so universal and spending multiple generations, uh, that would be a game that you could easily sit down as a family and watch, you know, one of the kids uh, and one of the parents or two of your kids or whoever play and still enjoy because you can watch it and make connections between the the funniness that is Lego and Star Wars and match it up with the actual Star Wars movies in the Skywalker saga. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that's that's a valid point. Uh, and, and I think it's a strong argument. I still think I agree with Joey's definition a little bit more of the more the merrier should be able to play the game. That's a true family game in that sense and i wouldn't be surprised Drew, if your reasoning as well as the fact that the game is just yes. phenomenally well designed like it is giant the environment design is gorgeous uh that could win the category but again i think john and i just lean toward that what is a family game definition and because of that we lean a little bit toward nintendo switch sports and i just i feel like that idea of a game that many people are playing all at once almost doesn't exist anymore and that's why that definition is hundred percent correct hundred percent correct on if it does exist, it's a multiplayer game, and you have everyone in different rooms playing on different platforms together in an online lobby. Uh, it's not the sit-down-on-a-couch co-op kind of feel anymore. Uh, that is a, a long-lost golden age, it feels like. So our vote is going to go to the Nintendo Switch Sports for the best family game for Level Up, which brings us to the best fighting game category for the best game designed primarily around head-to-head -head combat. John, who are the nominees? DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the King, the King of Fighters, Multiverses, and Sifu. 
Sifu goes to Drew. Uh, Drew, what are your thoughts on this category? Um, I will just quickly say Sifu, it does stand out a little bit from the rest for me because it is a fighting game, but it's not a multiplayer fighting game. It's more of a single player stories fighting game. So that does have it stand out a little bit differently from the rest. It doesn't necessarily have to sway your vote, um, but it is worth mentioning for our listeners here. Well, I think one of the things that makes this category and these nominees so interesting is not only is Sifu a little different, but then you know, a game like Multiverses that is easily comparable to, to um, Smash Bros. Uh, is a different kind of fighting game than King of Fighters. Like, you've got all these games that are fighting games, but they're all, or there's at least three or four different versions of what a fighting game is here. Not every fighting game is one-on-one uh, punching and kicking, like, that style. You have some of the goofiness that is in Multiverses. And so it's it's not just... Which one is the best, quote, fighting simulator, like a lot of people want to argue about, but the different systems and way that the fighting is built in, that's going to make it really, really hard to, to narrow it down, especially because I am not a fighting game person, so I've not played all of these. Um, I, I, I have a feeling King of Fighters is going to get a whole lot of love because that is a beloved franchise. I haven't played 15 specifically, Um but I know Sifu got a lot of attention this year for what it was and how good it was. Um, and that's probably where I would put my vote. Uh, but Ural's conversation about Multiversus earlier is also still fresh in my mind and, and carries a lot of weight for what a fighting game can be now and, and the impact that it can have. So I'm somewhere between those two. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a similar spot too. I think Sifu just definitely stands out for being unique. I think it's a really well-designed game. It probably would have been on my list of top indie games for the year. With that being said, when I think fighting games similar to the definition of family game, I'm thinking of something head-to-head. Even the way this description reads, it literally says around head-to-head combat. So while Sifu does have head-to-head if you count the computer being against you, I don't think it fits the definition for me as well. So I do go multiverses here. I think, again, challenging Smash is a huge accomplishment. And on top of that, they're continuing to add new characters all the time. It's done a really well, good job server-wise so far. I feel like servers are so important in online games nowadays. Uh, especially fighting games where that millisecond difference can be a huge factor. I think Multiverses wins it here for me. Hands down. The the thing with Multiverses, too, is, and you said it's the, it's the different IPs uh, that they're bringing inside of that game. Uh, if you're a fighting game, the fighting community is going to give you a chance from the get-go. What you're trying to do is bring in people from outside of that community to play your game. How do you do that? You bring in popular characters. You bring in that popular IP the fact that you have Batman in there, the fact that you have you know characters from Scooby-Doo in there, that's what people are going to see, and they're going to give the game a shot just because they have characters they recognize. Uh, and I think that's massive. That, that's absolutely big. Plus, on top of it, the game's fun. It's a lot of fun, and the fact that it's challenging Smash, that's absolutely massive. Uh, my vote goes to uh, Multiverses as well. And that means the level up vote is going to go to Multiverses, regardless if Drew does go Sifu or Multiverses. Multiverses will have two votes. So that will move us to the best role-playing game. For the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences, we have Elden Ring from From Software, Live Alive from Square Enix, Pokemon Legends Arceus from Game Freak and Nintendo, Triangle Strategy from Arctic, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 3 from Nintendo as well. Nintendo really making a name in this category with three nominees on the board. Uh, For me, two stand out the most, and that's Elden Ring and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I think Pokemon Legends taking a bit of a gamble uh, did uh, expand the genre, and we now see that with the new Pokemon games as well in Violet. 
uh, Violet and Scarlet. Is that the other one? I think it is. Um, yeah, so I, I like that they took chances with that game, but when I think true RPG, I'm thinking of stat allocation and things like that. And for me, Elden Ring and Xenoblade have that a lot more than Pokemon does. And with that being said, I do think Elden Ring wins this for me. Uh, it was just such a different game. It kind of took that Dark Souls genre and made it much more widespread than any of the Dark Souls games did before it. And I think that, on top of the, some of the unique ways that they approach the RPG system, makes it stand out as the winner of this category for me. Over to you, Drew. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think I've heard of Live a Live. That's that's what I'm going to have to look intro- into a little more. The fact that I know Square Enix came out with a whole lot, like all at once. And so that's probably why I missed that particular one. Um, I also completely agree with you about Pokemon Legends. I'm glad that it's included because they did take that formula and and expand it and, and you know change it up in a way that that really resonated with fans. Like people really enjoyed that game, um, and it, it's gonna let them do more stuff in the future, hopefully more completely before they launch next time. Um, but it's it was it was a great thing that really changed the way those games are. So I'm glad it's getting recognized, but. Just like some other games we're going to be talking about, I know coming up, Elden Ring did a whole, whole lot right in ways that people weren't expecting. Um, everyone ex- knows what to expect from from software, and they still managed to surprise you with a game like Elden Ring. Um, I think the only, like you said, Xenoblade Chronicles is the other one that's really going to compete in this category because it, it looks like what people think of as an RPG. A story, going to be a lot of cutscenes and a lot of talking and you know, super colorful and bright, and all the characters. It's it's what people think of when they hear JRPG, especially. Um, but I, I think Elden Ring just just shocked and did so much cool and different that it's got to be the winner. Yeah, I, I think you both made incredible points. Uh, my vote would go towards uh, Elden Ring. Uh, fantastic game. I love what it did for that genre as well. Uh, Xenoblade, uh, you know, a very close second. Uh, again, all, all these games did great uh, to help. Uh, not just expand their universes in some cases, uh, but really help uh, push forward the RPG genre going forward. So uh, a lot of really cool titles here, but I think Elden Ring had the biggest impact uh, on it. And, and to this day, like people are, are still talking about it as if it just came out. Uh, it's it's a really big game. I like it, and I think it's uh, well-deserving of the win. And this is the intro of Elden Ring, a game you guys are going to hear a lot tonight, so we won't dive deep into it every single time because it is going to be a repeat winner, I have a feeling. On top of that, this next category introduces another game that you're going to hear quite a bit tonight. Best Action Adventure for the Best Action Adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. John, the nominees for this category are... A Plague Tale Requiem, a.k.a. Joey's Love... <laughs> Uh, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, the bestest game ever. It's such a good boy. Stray and Tunic. Some really good games on the table here. The one I was referencing, obviously, God of War Ragnarok. A lot of people putting that and Elden Ring is kind of their top two game of the year potential winners uh, on many, many different lists. Uh, John mentioned I love A Plague Tale. I think the original game was phenomenal. A Plague Tale Requiem, I've actually not finished it yet. Unfortunately, I have not had as much time as I wanted to play it, but it has been great so far. A really good continuation of that series. But I think I would like to see a Plague Tale Requiem win, and I think it has a shot, and I think it's probably the second best one in this category. But up against the Goliath of God of War Ragnarok, I think it's going to be tough to pull out a win. So I will go God of War Ragnarok here, um, but I would not be surprised if a Plague Tale Requiem takes it either. Drew. So, um... My vote is actually going to go towards Horizon Forbidden mm. West. Um, I really enjoyed Zero Dawn and thought it was a phenomenal game. 
and again, I haven't got to play Forbidden West yet because I have not bought myself a PS5, and that's what I would want to play it on. Um, but what again, what I've seen, the the streams that I've watched, the videos, the the articles I've read about it, it really just continued to build on the really cool systems and and world that they had made in the Horizon series, and it's all about the the traversal and how you get around and, and solving puzzles and, and reacting quickly to, to your environment um, in a way that I just think is really cool. And I can't wait to hear John talk about God of War Ragnarok since it was released three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and we already heard his opinions on Call of Duty that was released just over a month ago. Uh, so this is an even tighter turnaround. Uh, it, it is a phenomenal game. There, there's no denying that, that it's going to win a gazillion awards. Um, and it does have, you know, good, uh, like, combat and traversal and puzzle solving, but I still think of more of a game like Horizon Forbidden West when I think of the traversal uh, and the world around you constantly making you reevaluate what you're doing. Stray. No, as much as I would love for Stray to win, it's not going to win. Uh, Stray is an adventure game. It is truly an adventure game with action built into it, but it's an adventure game. You're trying to figure out how you fell uh, – into this dystopian world like you start the game out as a cat uh traveling along these water pipes and then you fall down essentially a garbage chute and then boom you're in this weird town uh that has a bunch of people with old school pc monitors as heads and you have to figure out what in the world's going on it's a lot of fun it's a great adventure game there's great action to it uh you know there's twists and turns around every corner i loved it i think it's absolutely great uh the problem is is it came out in the same year uh, that God of War Ragnarok came out in. Uh, and that sucks because it's going to get overshadowed as it should. Now, Drew, you stole my thunder and I hate you for it. Uh, but yes, that game's been out for three weeks. Again, how can we say it's the best action adventure game of 2022? It hasn't even been out that long, but I, I get it. The problem is, is it's the hype. God of War Ragnarok, God of War being the other series uh, next to Gran Turismo that I miss from PlayStation. There's a reason. Again, two years into my Xbox adventure, I'm still sad about God of War. Uh, granted, it might be coming out on PC a little bit later. Yeah, let's see here there. Um, that anticipation, that hype is there for a reason. It's there for Call of Duty for a reason. Uh, it's a great game. It looks great. The story's great. The graphics are amazing. It plays incredibly well. It's exciting. It's adventurous. Everything that you want from a God of War game is in Ragnarok. Uh, and that's the reason why it's going to win this this category, 100%. Granted, it's barely been out in 2022 at all. Um, you know, I think this these awards should be like Spotify wrapped, stopped in October. Uh, and then you go from everything that's been released from January to October. November and December deserve to go into the next year. But that's neither here nor there. I think God of War wins it. So God of War does pull the level up vote. Just one other thing to mention here, though. Uh, we've seen it in the past with the Game Awards that if a game is going to win a lot of awards, and I'm not going to say anything is scripted here, um, but we have seen where some of these other categories like a Best Action Adventure could go to a Playtale Requiem or to a Horizon Forbidden uh, West. Uh, just because those games might not win up against these other titles like Elden Ring, God of War, anywhere else. So it is possible uh, that one of those two or one of these other games, Stray or Tunic, does win it here. But God of War does go on to win a lot of other awards as well. Next up, more than halfway through, and we are going to speed things up for a couple of these as we get closer to that Game of the Year award. Best action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. The nominees are Bayonetta 3 from Platinum Games, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 from Infinity Ward, 
Neon White from new studio Angel Matrix, Sifu from Slow Clap, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Again, another really great slate of action games here. Uh, Neon White was up there for the top indie game for me. I really do think that was a phenomenally designed game, but in the end, I didn't give it the fighting game award, but I think it is worthy of a award win. And so I'm going to give it to Sifu and Slow Clap here as the best action game for me. John, over to you. Uh, it's Call of Duty. Uh, I, 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 as much as I hate it, uh, it's going to be Call of Duty. Uh, again, for all, every reason we've said before, the player count, the multiplayer, it's nonstop action. You add Warzone in there as well. It's literally the definition of the and the golden standard of what an action game is. And the fact that it's breaking records still right now is a, a, a good indicator of what the action game is going to be. So I, I, I put uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, this is one of those where what I think and what I, is going to happen are two different things. Call of Duty is going to win. Um, I I hate that first-person shooters are also considered action games because it is a completely separate genre in my mind um, because we get a gazillion of them every year for one. Um, but it's it's a different type of thing. Neon White is actually the game that I would want to give this award to because it is a little... A little different in the way it approaches action, but it is nothing but nonstop action, um, and you, you get that that crazy sense of urgency and things are always happening all the time. But yeah, it's it's going to be Call of Duty because that's it, it's stupidly popular and for for good reason. Okay, so we're all split on opinions. None of us giving the opinion vote to Call of Duty, but the prediction vote does go that way, giving us a majority. So Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two will win Best Action Game here for Level Up. That brings us to Best VR AR. Drew, who are the nominees for this category for the Best Game Experience Playable in Virtual or Augmented Reality? We've got After the Fall from Vertigo Games, Among Us VR, Shell Games, and Inner Sloth, Bone Lab from Stress Level Zero, Moss, Book 2 from Polyarch, and Red Matter 2 from Vertical Robot. Um, I don't do a whole lot, and by that I mean zero, uh, AR and VR type games. Um, So that being said... I know how much fun Among Us is and how popular it is. And the fact that there's a VR version tells me that's probably pretty fun as well. But I can give zero informed opinion on this on this one beyond knowing that game. Yeah, I mean, the game itself is a little sus. Um, but in the end, I do think it is pretty... Uh, I mean, it's going to win, right? It's Among Us. Among Us is extremely popular. It had a huge wave on Twitch for quite a while. On top of that, the game is well-designed. It plays well in VR. And adds a nice little element with that augmented reality aspect to it. So Among Us VR does win the vote for me. Uh, so Among Us gets it for for a very stupid reason. Uh, my favorite trend right now on TikTok is people on Among Us VR scaring little kids, uh, going up to them and whispering, I'm the imposter, mm. and then screaming as the kid runs for their virtual life to press the button. I think it's I think it's absolutely fantastic. It makes me laugh every single time. Does that make me a bully? It might. I'm okay with it. Does it make me a bad person? Yeah, probably. But you want to know what? I'm still okay with it. Those videos are absolutely entertaining. Drew, I see how much you're laughing. I will send that I will send some of those to you after the show. It is Please. absolutely amazing. And for that reason, it's Among Us VR. Among Us takes the level up vote, moving us into my favorite category, to be honest, the innovation and accessibility. I love the idea of everyone getting to play games, regardless of different disabilities that may be out there, regardless of challenges that gamers may face. A lot of companies, developers, publishers are making waves to continue to improve in this area. 
God of War Ragnarok is the outstanding game for me in this category. We'll list all the nominees, but God of War had something of 60-plus settings available for accessibility. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 won this award last year with a number of them, including sign language as an available language option in-game. God of War continuing to improve on the trend, adding more and more in there. Uh, the Last of Us Part 1 also on this list of nominees, who I will give you now. As Dusk Falls from Interior Night, God of War Ragnarok from Sony Santa Monica, Return to Monkey Island, Terrible Toy Box, The Last of Us Part 1 from Naughty Dog, and then I believe it is Query here at the bottom. Yeah, the Query from Supermassive Games. Uh, in the end, I think all of these did a good job. The Last of Us Part 1, an exceptional job adding more and more. But really, I, I don't see anyone but God of War Ragnarok winning this, in my humble opinion. Yeah, God of War went above and beyond. Uh, and, and that's the one thing that we liked about Forza Horizon 5 last year was it went above and beyond. It thought outside the box. Uh, and and like Joey was saying, you know, any game that makes it more accessible to more people is always a good thing. Uh, kudos to all these games and all these developers and publishers uh, for really making that a key point going forward. I think it's fantastic. Um, As Dusk Falls, uh, you know, it's a great game. I think the accessibility features on it are, is great. For a game that's narrative-based and text choice-based, I would have liked to see a little bit more accessibility from it. Um, but I think God of War, just because it did go above and beyond, hands down the vote to go. True. Yeah, you are you, you want to be careful, like, who you get your news from and who you listen to the opinions on and, and not just taking them at their word. Uh, but I love that this category exists and that it gets the recognition now that it deserves. And so uh, I, I'm a big fan of Alana Pierce and the work that she does with video games and on social media. And accessibility is a huge thing for her. She actually started the Accessibility Awards, and they've had it for three or four years now uh, as something that she helps gather everything for and host and, and produce. And it's this big deal to her, and that's all she has talked about. You know, She does work for Sony Santa Monica, so she has a bit of a vested interest, but she's credited for helping with the accessibility, and she talks about how, how much work that team, this dedicated team, put into just making this game as accessible as possible so i mean it's it seems like an easy win just because it did just come out and we're all talking about it but they did go as far beyond as they could possibly imagine so i think god of war sweeps that for level up and deservingly so again i would be very surprised if it doesn't win this category at the actual awards as well but we'll have to keep an eye out for that next thursday december 8th is when that does happen for now we move on to our next category that is best community support recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. Again, we're going to go a little rapid fire for these next couple categories. John, who are the nominees? Uh, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. Drew, I know you're a big fan of Destiny 2. Have they done enough to earn your vote? No. <laughs> uh, they, they do a good job of posting what's going on and saying what their intentions are, but there's just been a lot of issues that they just kind of don't talk about specifically around multiplayer and i haven't been playing it lately but i i, I appreciate the their attempts at communication but it feels very one-sided sometimes um that said that's probably got to go with Fortnite. um it seems like an easy answer but they're always updating and people are still playing it how can they not be the choice yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, MMOs are great, and they do a good job, but it takes them a while to push out content. Something like a Battle Royale has done a good job of pushing it out quite often, and Apex Legends also another one that seems to put out quite a bit of content quite often, 
But in the end, no one has the amount of content, the amount of unique content, and the amount of collaborations that Fortnite has. I think it's probably the best out ongoing game out there as well. Outside of maybe League of Legends, if you want to argue the competitive side of that, because Fortnite's competitive side is just a shadow of what we see with League of Legends. Um, but overall, yeah, Fortnite is, to me, more than a game at this point. It is its own platform, really. Yeah, when I think community uh, support and transparency and responsiveness, I do not see uh, League of Legends in there. Um, but I do see Fortnite. I, I love how innovative they are in that game as well and all the different community events. Uh, the uh, virtual in-game concerts, I think, were absolutely fantastic. That was such a unique idea. I know, uh, I think it was Roblox did a couple also, um, but Fortnite took it to a whole different level. I like it. Absolutely. Next up, best mobile game for the best game playable on a mobile device. Go figure. We have Apex Legends Mobile, who did win the Apple App Store Mobile Game Award. Diablo Immortal from Blizzard, Genshin Impact, also extremely popular from Hoyoverse, Marvel Snap from Second Dinner Studios, and Ben Brode, formerly of the Hearthstone team, and then Tower of Fantasy from Hoda Studio, Perfect World, and Level Infinite. Uh, this one, I'm a little biased, um, but I am going to go Marvel Snap. I think it's a unique take on the CCG genre. I love that Ben Brode is back in the game development business. Uh, I think the collectible aspect of it is very fun. And it's a card game that's free-to-play friendly, something we can't really say for the popular games like Hearthstone. Legends of Runeterra did do a pretty good job in that area as well. Um, but again, Marvel Snap just continuing to push that genre forward. I do think Apex Legends and Genshin Impact have a good shot at winning this one, but my vote is Marvel Snap. Over to you, John. I hate virtual card games with a fiery hot passion. I love Marvel Snap with a fiery hot passion. Uh, it, the game has captured my imagination, my love for Marvel. Um, it, it's a fun game. The games are quick, uh, two to three minutes. Uh, you can easily spam a couple games out while you're waiting for something. Uh, yes, it did just come out. So, yes, I'm going against my own argument for some of these other games, too, at least for people on uh, Apple and, 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 you know, in the iPhone universe, if you will. Uh, it's been out a little bit longer on the Android side. Uh, but I, I feel like if Marvel Snap can win me over and it's a card game, that says something. So I'm going to go with Snap. Drew. Yeah, I I actually got to play Marvel Snap uh, in its, like, beta and was pretty 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 thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually haven't played it since it was launched, though, um, because I've been busy playing other stuff, but, namely Pokemon Violet and Persona 5. Um, but it's it's very much deserving of being here and probably winning. But I also really lean towards Genshin Impact because it does what I love what games do, where I can play it on my phone, and then I can play it on a console. And so it lets me feel like I can keep playing this game that looks incredible on my TV, and it looks just as good on my phone when I'm on the go now. And I think that's that's the technology that I want there to be more of with games. And so it gets a lot of my, my support because of that. But Marvel Snap's probably going to win this. For a lot of good reasons. Snap available on Steam also. There you go. <laughs> so Marvel Snap takes the vote for Level Up. Uh, this next category, we're just going to briefly mention Best Indie Game. Uh, it's pretty much, we voted for this earlier, it was the Best New Indie Game. Uh, this one just adds one difference here, and that is Cult of the Lamb being added in as an addition. Are either of you switching to Cult of the Lamb? If not, Stray does take this category for us again. I would probably switch it to Cult of the Lamb just because that game is nuts. But I, I, I'm fine with Stray still taking the vote. There you go. So my personal opinion is neon white, but I do think Stray wins this one. So it will win the level up vote here. 
Moving us over to best ongoing game. Again, this is another category that feels like a repeat for me. Um, and it is literally the same same games, I believe, that were in the other one. Uh, so I think Fortnite wins this one once again, unless you guys want to change that up as well. Unfortunately, no. Fortnite again. Games for Impact. Uh, this is another fun category, uh, one that I think is really important, and maybe fun is not the best way to describe it, um, but it is one that makes you think outside of just the game itself, and games have deep stories, don't get me wrong, but these take even on another layer of depth to them. These are thought-provoking games with a pro-social message or meaning behind them. The nominees for this category are A Memoir Blue, As Dusk Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling Extinction is Forever, Hindsight and I was a teenage eco colonist. Um, I actually have not played a number of these, so it's hard for me to end up choosing one between them. Uh, I've heard really, really good things about Citizen Sleeper, so I think that could be the winner. Endling, I did play a demo of, uh, very much about like global pollution and the extinction of potential species involved with that as well. Uh, obviously, foxes from the cover art here, and a memoir blue was pretty good as well about. Um, it's kind of like an Olympic diver or swimmer, rather, um, and the experience they went through. So, again, based on limited play, it's hard to vote, but I think I will go Memoir Blue on this one. Yeah, uh, Memoir Blue probably is going to win this category. As much as I would love As Dusk Falls uh, to win, I, I think the game, the message in the game was great. Or should I say the messages in the game was great. I, I, th I think that's probably, like, I, I see what they tried to do. They tried to replicate um life is strange but even in life is strange they had a core message they were trying to push with a couple that branched off here and there as dust falls i feel like tried to cover too much and didn't really get that light sh uh, to shine on one topic or a couple topics that would really be thought provoking and then on top of it the gameplay really made it hard to to, pay to play along with the narrative that was going on i feel like that's going to hold it back i think a memoir blue takes it also Drew. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say. You guys pretty much nailed it, but a memoir blue is the one that I've heard so much talk about of how powerful it was. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be the easy winner here. There we go. Games for impact level up goes memoir blue. Next category is best performance awarded to an individual for voiceover acting motion and or performance capture. Uh, this one's tough for me. I honestly don't know who I would choose. So I'm actually going to abstain my vote on this one. Horizon Forbidden West, Ashley Birch, A Plague Tale Requiem with Charlotte McBurney, God of War Ragnarok with Christopher Judge. I think that could be the winner if I had to guess. Uh, Immortality, Manion Gage was phenomenal in that as well. And then God of War Ragnarok with Sunny Jig as well. Um, yeah, guys, I don't really know who I vote for here. John, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, I was laughing at T-SPAN's uh, comment about... Uh, uh, Dust Falls being Falls a slideshow. <laughs> yeah, being a slideshow. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest issues I had with As Dusk Falls is the fact that there was literally no, like, movement around with the characters. It was pick-your-own-ending, just visualized. Um, yeah, I think this one's tough because I, I feel like uh, this is worthy of essentially, like, an Oscar nomination, if, if you will. Like, these are all artists. These are all amazing actors and actresses that put their talent on display, uh, not just for these games that they're nominated, but day in and day out for other games uh, for for uh, cartoons, for voiceovers, for movies, for anime. Uh, you know, a lot of these names you'll see in multiple games, anime and cartoons and voiceovers for movies and everything. Um, so I feel like this one is, is going to be incredibly tough. Um, I do think Christopher Judge does take it for God of War Ragnarok, though. 
true. You're probably right, and it's my my personal vote and choice would be Ashley Birch uh, again as Aloy. Like, but the same reasons you can apply also to Christopher Judge because of the way those games are. You're with that character. Mm-hmm. And that character is the voice you hear like 90 plus percent of the time in those games. And so they really shape the entire experience. And, and they both do a phenomenal job. So they're they're both very deserving because of the games. But as we talked about earlier, God of War has that hype wave that's just breaking right now as people are making these choices. So that's probably going to be the winner. But I'd, I'm a huge Ashley Birch fan. So I, I would put my vote for her. But... I, there's nothing wrong with Christopher Judge winning at all. Joey, you have to make a pick now because we're split. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be Christopher Judge. I think that's who's going to win it out. With that being said, I think there is a dark horse here that we're not really mentioning, and that is Manion Gage for Immortality. Uh, I really think of all these games, it's a very different game. Those are much more action-adventure. You're following one character, as Drew said. Immortality is more of a mystery game where it's kind of film pieces that you're kind of working your way through in a puzzle style, uh, and she does a phenomenal job, and I could see her being a dark horse for this one. Over to Best Audio Design, recognizing the best in-game sound and audio. Last year, this went to Forza Horizon 5, and we have another racing game on the slate again, but I don't think it takes it this time. Drew, the nominees for this one are... The nominees for Best Audio Design, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, again, Gran Turismo 7, again, and Horizon Forbidden West, again. Look, all games we've seen before and talked about. And Drew, I have a feeling I know which way you're going, but go ahead and let us know. This is one of those... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it just it, it this is the point of the show where it's like maybe we should just listed all these games out and covered all of their topics <laughs> first um um this is one of those categories that i really struggle with because they all have different things that they're really trying to focus what that sound they're capturing is like gran turismo really captures what it sounds like to be in a car like this you know horizon forbidden west is all environmental noise Call of Duty has to get those gun sounds correctly, as well as the sounds of movement. Elden Ring had to make a whole bunch of sounds up. And and then God of War Ragnarok really needs you to feel like you're in this dark, gritty story. And they all do a fantastic job. I, I feel like you just pick a name out of a hat for a category like this. I can't decide. John, can you decide? I, I think this category, when I think of audio design, I think of the same way as a movie. How can the audio affect my emotion in that moment in the video game? Um, when it comes down to, like, Gran Turismo is great because, like you said, like, I want to hear the sound of the car. I want to hear the rev. I want to hear the squeal of the tires. But also at the same time, I, I want to be entertained by the music in the background when I'm racing. Like, I just don't want to hear just the car. I get some people like that. Um, so there's a soundtrack that goes with it. I think that's great and that's fine. Uh, but at the end of the day, that soundtrack's not going to make me feel an emotion of me driving a car I will never be able to afford in real life. Uh, so Gran Turismo, well, I think it's great, out the window. Um, I think the great thing about Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, and even Horizon Forbidden West is those moments where they can use that audio to enhance that game. Uh, Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok specifically, um, to bring more emotion, more tension, more excitement to what's going on, whether it's in the cutscene or whether it's in a level that you're currently playing or a certain location. I feel like that is something that is uh, really uh, keyed on in those games. And so when I think audio design, that's why I think, and that's why I'm actually going to give it to God of War Ragnarok in this case. 
Yeah, I'm going to go God of War Ragnarok as well. I think Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West are very close seconds to me. Uh, the environmental design is really, really well done on all of them. From the music that plays here and there, the sound of the swords, the weapons being used. Uh, like Drew said, with Elden Ring and even with God of War Ragnarok, a lot of that is creating new sounds because we don't really know what sounds these enemies would make. With Horizon Forbidden West, it's a little bit more of that metallic sound as you do kind of have these like techno metallic style creatures involved. Um, but overall, I think Elden Ring and God of War Ragnar are probably my top two. Horizon, very, very close behind, but God of War does win that vote for me. Next category, and again, very similar, this one being score and music. So moving a little bit away from those weapon designs, those enemy sounds, that environmental sound to the actual score and music itself. Uh, metal Hellsinger here is known for its actual metal music involved in the game, while the rest of these are new pieces written up. I think keeping it clean, God of War Ragnarok wins this for me as well. This is where I would disagree. I would give it to Metal Hellslinger. The fact that you are integrating music into the actual game. It's not just something that supports the game. It is a key component of the game. Uh, find me another game that has hard rock or, and, and like rage rock and everything else it has in it, or as the kids call it, dad rock now, uh, in the game where you have to fight to the beat of the music. Like That takes the music... Uh, integration into a game to a whole new level and I think it's really innovative I can't really think of another game outside of like Guitar Hero or something like that where there's some kind of interaction to the music that's going on that really has that kind of impact to the game uh, so not only do you get a great game mechanic you get a great soundtrack uh, and and uh, supporting audio to go along with the game I'm giving it to Hellslinger Hellslinger winning the level up vote for best score and music that brings us to Best Art Direction for Outstanding Creative and or Technical Achievement in Artistic Design and Animation. We have Elden Ring from From Software, God of War Ragnarok. Again, you know who these games are from. Horizon Forbidden West. Scorn, this one is new. That's Ebb Software. And then Stray from Blue 12. Uh, overall, I think I give this one to Elden Ring. A lot of these other games are sequels. Uh, God of War Ragnarok, we've seen similar art designs before with the previous game. Horizon Forbidden West, the same thing for that one. Scorn is different. Uh, it is gross as hell, so I cannot vote for it for that reason alone. Uh, and Stray is great, but I have seen Cats before. Elden Ring brings something different. It brings something unique. Uh, it brings something that does a little bit more than meow, as it does screech and cries and all different other craziness too. Uh, so Elden Ring wins this one hands down for me. The fact that that Stray was made by an indie company, uh, I, I, and it's that graphically sound, uh, to me, automatically gets a, a little bit of a boost. But I agree. I do think it's going to be Elden Ring, hands down, with God of War Ragnarok as a close second, because the graphics in God of War is absolutely incredible. Um, but I, I feel like Stray really could be a dark horse, it, or dark cat, if you will, um, because the fact that it is an indie title, it's coming from a smaller studio, uh, it's... It really the graphics blew me away when I when I first played it. Like this looks like a game that was developed by a, 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 a team with a massive budget that knew what they were doing. Um, so I think Stray is definitely an honorable mention and, and a dark horse, if you will. But I think Elden Ring ends up taking it. And I think that's a good point, right? Like they are a small studio, and the graphics, the technical achievement per se, was very very strong. 
I just think when we look at full art direction, Elden Ring is the one really designing these unique enemies compared to some of these other ones. And again, mm. not to scratch on any of these other ones, Horizon Forbidden West had some awesome bosses, God of War Ragnarok, obviously taking their own take on Thor and these other crazy strong enemies. Um, but Elden Ring really designing a full universe to explore, a full world that's just completely different than anything we've seen before. So for me, that's what pushes Elden Ring ahead. Drew, over to you. I agree that Elden Ring's probably going to win this. Um, I also agree that my vote is going to go to Stray because they did design that world. So, because we talked about it, it's a very simple concept, and they designed it in a way that is incredibly immersive. And, and taking something as basic as playing as a cat and really making the world feel real, I feel like is it. It feels harder to me because we know what the real world is, and they still made it feel that immersive whereas elden ring yeah they did incredible things and like i said i'm pretty sure it's gonna win but you're making stuff up at some point you don't have to make it feel real compared to the real world because it's not and so so when 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 someone can really make something feel that real and immersive that 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 really grabs me scorn just felt like it was different to be different and not gross. really necessary. Absolutely gross is what it was. Should we create chaos and change my vote to Stray so Stray wins the level up vote? I mean, you can. I do <laughs> think Elden Ring wins this category, but it's very possible. You know what? Cats rule. That's what happens. Cats, that cats forever. We're going Stray. <laughs> Love it. The perfect vote coming in from John to switch things up. That brings us to best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in the game. Uh, I think all of these are very well deserving. A Plague Tale, Requiem, Elden Ring. Uh, Elden Ring, you can argue, because there is a little bit more of a, uh, let's say, work to be done for the player to find the narrative versus these other ones that are very much... um, some people that console war like to call them movies because uh, they do very much present it as you walk around. Uh, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, and Immortality on the board here. Um, I think most people are going to probably choose God of War, Ragnarok, or a Plague Tale Requiem here. I actually think Immortality has a chance, though. As far as unique storytelling, you can argue Elden Ring stands out, but again, I think it's too hard for the average player. Immortality is something so different and something unique we really haven't seen possibly ever in gaming, uh, the way that story was told and the way the player has to go about figuring it out. So I do think God of War Ragnarok probably wins, possibly a Plague Tale Requiem, but I think Immortality could be most deserving here. Again, kind of like with Hellsinger, Immortality is literally narrative. That That is what that game is. So for it to be this popular and successful, it must be doing that incredibly well. So that that gets my vote, but the hype wave that is God of War Ragnarok is probably going to carry it to a win. Story telling. It's immortality, for sure. Hands down. It tells the best story. It is a narrative, like you said. I think God of War Ragnarok does win it. Uh, I've never been disappointed with the narrative from any God of War uh, uh, video game. Uh, it's all been solid. It's popular. That's why it's going to win, but it should be uh, immortality. So immortality with the upset here, taking the level up vote for best narrative. Brings us to our final two categories. Best Game Direction, awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Again, I feel like some of these just are so similar, right? It's literally the same nominees as Art Direction, and it's Game Direction. Like I feel like some of these need a little bit more direction, literally, uh, for what we're voting on. Um, but again, creative vision and innovation in game direction and design is what we're being told here. I don't really know what I go with here. Uh, based on that description alone, I actually think Immortality is the winner. Um, 
based on how people are actually going to vote. It's probably going to be God of War, Ragnarok, Elden Ring, or Horizon Forbidden West. Um, but yeah, I think literally going off that description, Immortality is the standout winner for me. I got to go with Stray for, for reasons just discussed. It's such a creative and wild concept that they nailed perfectly. It's creative vision and innovation. Like, done. Yeah, I mean, we've seen games like Elden Ring before, that that genre of game. God of War is the next game in a franchise lineage. Uh, you know, Horizon Forbidden West, again, it, it's, it's nothing... Uh, the idea of the game is nothing groundbreaking. Uh, Immortality, great. It's a narrative-based game. We have a ton of those out there, too. This one is very good. Don't get me wrong. But Stray? I mean, a cat game. It's literally a cat game about a cat. You have no idea what's going on. It's such a, a unique, innovative game to play as a cat with a dedicated meow button uh, where you can go around and try to figure out this world from the eyes of a cat. I think it's really cool. Uh, the fact that everyone on social media was talking about cat game and I want to play like a cat. I don't know. I, to me, it, it's stray also. Uh, I love the game. I think it's fantastic. I love the innovative look from stray. Stray wins the vote here, and again, God of War Ragnarok or Elden Ring probably wins it overall for the category. But guys, don't sleep on Immortality. I think it is probably the most unique game on the board here, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is a dark horse. Last but not least is the biggest award of the night, and that is Game of the Year, recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. For this one, there are six nominees, and they are A Plague Tale Requiem, a Sobo Studio, Elden Ring from From Software, God of War Ragnarok, Sony Santa Monica, Horizon Forbidden West, Guerrilla Games, Stray from Blue 12 Studio, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It's been a while since we've heard that one, but Monolith Soft making the Game of the Year list here as well. For me, again, I know Drew has mentioned he loves Horizon Forbidden West. I'm a big fan of the A Plague Tale franchise as well. John has obviously stated that he thinks Stray is the perfect game for him. Uh, but in the end, I think this comes down to two, and it's going to be Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. For me, again, one is a sequel, and it's a phenomenal sequel at that. I think they do a really good job expanding. The side quest system much improved. The graphics obviously improved as well. Some new animations here that have looked really cool in game two. It checks so many boxes. But for me, the one that stands out and is different, the one that has really taken the Souls-like genre to a whole new level, adding from what we saw just a couple million players to now tens of millions of players into the genre, I think Elden Ring is the game of the year for me, 2022. I want it to be Stray, but it's not going to. Uh, it's, it's not going to be the game of the year, and it makes me sad. Uh, the game's too short. Uh, it, it needs to be longer. I want to see more of it. I would love to see sequels. I would love to see DLC that comes for it. It's such a fun game, and I feel like they can definitely expand uh, that universe uh, for Stray. Um, I'm happy it got nominated. I don't think it's going to win. Uh, Plague Tale uh, Requiem, uh, Joey, you have hyped up those games like crazy, and they've paid off. They're very fun. Uh, they are very immersive. I think it's fantastic. Uh, haven't played Xenoblade, but I know uh, a lot of people are a fan of those genres of games. Uh, it has hype for a reason, has a massive following for a reason. I think it's well-deserved to be nominated. Uh, same thing with Horizon Forbidden West. It, it, it's a fantastic game. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Joey, I agree, comes down to those two. Uh, you know, if, if you believe the conspiracy theory of God of War Ragnarok, uh, pardon me, of the Game Awards being presented by Sony PlayStation, then yes, it's going to win. 
Uh, but I think I agree with you. I, th I think Elden Ring should be the one that wins. Uh, that was who I would vote for is Elden Ring. It would not surprise me in one bit if God of War Ragnarok won this uh, one game of the year. Just because it's it's a massive name. It's a massive game. It's a massive series. Uh, and there's a lot of hype around it. Uh, it should be Elden Ring. Uh, my gut feeling tells me it's God of War, though. Drew, wrap yeah. us up. 100% agree with everything that's been said. Elden Ring is the clear deserving winner of this with the massive game that they made, the massive world that they built, the massive amount of players they brought into that genre, and just the, the originality of, the, of, of everything that's in that game. But we have such a recency bias as people, and God of War is the new hotness that just came out. Oh, and it's here for me to vote on? People are going to pick it, and that's, that's just unfortunately how it's going to be. And... I mean, I can't say it sucks for Elden Ring because they've got plenty of recognition and awards. Like, it's not a, they're not, they're not really losing out here, but they should be the winners of this for sure. And both games are deserving, as well as every one of the six games on this list, plus more that I think could have been included as well. Uh, 2022, while there were a lot of games that got delayed out of 2022 or from 2021 into 2022, I feel like it did deliver in the end, even post pandemic. Teams got it together. Phenomenal experiences from this six and beyond. And I think just looking forward to 2023 and 2024, there are just so many other amazing games out there from Zelda to Spider-Man to Starfield to Redfall, uh, eventually Fable and Hellblade. And you have some like The Last of Us factions, whatever it ends up being named for multiplayer. So many cool experiences still to come here on. Um, but that does wrap it up as far as nominees go, guys. 31 categories. This took a lot longer than we were expecting. We were expecting to wrap up closer to 9.15, 9.20, and it is now 9.50 here on the live audience with us here on Twitch. Um, but yeah, it was a very long show, a lot of categories, as Jeff continues to add more and more, but he does a great job with the Game Awards. Uh, very much looking forward to it, and we will be doing an official co-stream for that as well. Probably a slight pre-show starting at 7.30 next Thursday, December 8th, uh, and then we'll do a little post-show following the awards as well, and bringing on some people for that too to get opinions of their thoughts on who's going to win the awards, maybe to talk about some of the reveals that were shown after the show as well. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. Again, join us next week on twitch.tv forward slash OTN media to watch that show with us uh, as well as possibly jump on and join the call as well. Uh, as we depart guys, again, we didn't really have too much time to go over world premieres, new reveals or other surprises, but I want each of you to give me a hopes and dreams. If you could have one game that may show up, may not show up, may be completely out there, may not even have a game announced uh, what would that IP or game be that you love to see announced at the Game Awards? I'll give you hardware as well, if you want hardware too. Um, Drew, we'll start with you. It's either give me some Fable or give me some Kingdom Hearts 4. I don't care which one. Give me one of them. Please and thank you. John. Uh, Goat Simulator 5. Goat Simulator oh, Skipping another number. You love it. <laughs> um, for me, it's actually Fable as well, Drew. I think there's some games like... That are unannounced projects. Like I'd love to see what In Exile is working on, what Zenimax Online is working on, uh, what Spider-Man Two looks like. Even Mass Effect. We saw a little teaser for that, but I love that series and would love to see something else. But Fable, uh, just seeing this new Fable in an environment made by Playground Games, who's done such a good job with environment design in Forza games. I really want to see their take on it and that fun British humor that comes along with that studio as well. So Fable's my hope and dreams. I don't think it ends up there, but it is one I will be hopefully. Uh, surprised to see when the show comes again next Thursday, December 8th. In all seriousness, though, uh, if you remember that leak from a Mandalorian game that, oh, that leaked yes. for a little bit, I would love to see that come to fruition and, and actually be real. Uh, I would love to see a Mandalorian video game. 
So that's that's my actual answer, not Goat Simulator 5. Love it. Uh, Drew, again, thanks for joining us tonight on this little nominee show as we walk through all the categories. Where can people find you at on social media? You can find me over at Twitter at WalkerTN15. Same with the Instagram and probably soon to be Hive and other things as well. Uh, Gamertag WalkerTN on Xbox if you want to see me ignore your invites to games on Xbox because that's what I do. All right, Nation, that is going to do it for this super-duper extra spicy long edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode because that is going to be our co-stream of the Game Awards. And if you listen to our show on the podcast feed, make sure you leave us a review if your podcatcher allows. Uh, Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and the podcatcher that you choose to use. If it was not listed, we would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much. There's several ways you can do it. Joey, what are those ways? Absolutely. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company OTN Media on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. As John said, this show is back next week with the co-stream, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. All right. Make sure you tune in next Thursday, December 8th for the Game Awards co-stream right here on OTN Media's Twitch page as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and e-sports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit gently caress. Grab that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week for the big show. Remember to enjoy your weekend and be nice to your fellow gamers online. All right, fam, we're going to do this again because I know every time we have three people on here, it gets a little little spicy and saucy. And as always, level level up. up.